0: We believe that everyone has the power to make an impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify our impact together. We know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're gonna reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go.
1: Welcome to another incredible episode of Real Estate Syndication Spotlight by Good Egg Investments. And in this episode, it is no different than the rest. We bring high value, high impact real estate learnings to your phone, tablet, or or laptop. And we are here today. We are joined by Dave Foster. We're so excited to have him. Dave, thank you for joining us.
2: It's great to be here. Thank you.
1: Well, it is our pleasure. In today we're going to explore, we've been exploring so many different topics of real estate and real estate syndication. And what's always important is we always need to understand the tax burden on our deals, and we need to understand how to alleviate some of that tax burden uh, on us as individuals, as companies, and uh, a way to really utilize these channels and, and leverage opportunity. And so Dave is going to join us to really talk about how to do that and how he has learned some of the obstacles and challenges to what has made Dave the Real estate investor that he is. And so we're really excited to jump in. And I want to start by asking you, Dave, was real estate something that you've always had a passion for? Was this something that you knew growing up that growing up that you wanted to do? Or was this something that you learned over time?
2: Yeah. Now, actually, I'm like an old John Denver song. (laughs) I grew up a Kansas farm boy. So while land was in my blood, all that real estate meant to me was a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. So I never thought twice about it. It's like until we had been, oh my gosh, my wife and I had been married for a while. And we were both in nothing to do with real estate. We were in pretty high profile corporate careers. And this magical event happened. We had our first child Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden we didn't need a TV anymore. We didn't need anything. We just wanted to watch this little guy. And we just realized at that moment, something that smarter people than us have figured out a long time ago. And that is the most important commodity in your life is time and freedom. And what could we do that would give us the time and the freedom to be able to enjoy this little guy instead of these great fulfilling careers? So it's just our priorities just... And I really appreciate what you said at the very beginning of the show, which was, there's so many ways to invest in real estate. And that's what we discovered early on. It doesn't hurt that I've got a big honking dose of ADHD because I'm just a deal junkie and I never met an avenue or a rabbit trail. I didn't want to run down. So in the middle of trying to figure out how to get off an exit ramp so that we could live live this whole world of real estate investing opened up. And so like most people do when they are of a mindset of ready, fire, aim, I went and bought a duplex in Denver. I fixed it up, I sold it. I took the check to the bank and I was like, yeah, baby, I can do this. Until I went to my account that winter. Mm. And he said, like most accounts, well, they're great at looking in the rearview mirror. Find me an account that can look through the windshield and they're worth gold. Mine always looks through the rearview mirror and says, wow, Dave, go pay a lot of tax on that one. And it was at that point that I realized two things. First, in real estate, you have a silent partner and his name is Uncle Sam. And he's always going to do better than you do if you're not careful. But the second thing that I learned was that the old adage of you make money in real estate when you buy is only half the story. Everybody focuses on finding deals, right? So finding the deals, buying it right. um, That's only part of it. The second half is equally important. And that is you keep more of your money when you sell it by positioning the sell. So School of Hard Knocks, you bet. And right at that moment, this was 1996-ish, some friends of mine um, said, Dave, you know, if you would have done a 1031 exchange, you would have had to pay tax. I'm a degree accountant. I said, what the heck are you talking about? And they explained it to me and said, we're starting a company. You want to jump in? And I said, oh my gosh, count me in. So from that moment on, I realized the power of what those could do, started doing them for ourselves, and ended up, to jump to the end of that story, we ended up fulfilling our 10-year goal to within a week of 10 years, casting off our dock lines, sailing off on our sailboat with our four children, and never paying a penny from that point on capital gains tax on real estate transactions. So yeah, I used it myself. And along the way, in the course of the last 20 years, I've done it for hundreds and thousands of clients just like me that want the freedom and recognize that they don't want their silent partner to make more than he has to.
1: Absolutely. And it's, yeah, I've never, I've never heard that analogy before. And you I've heard, you know, obviously versions, you know, of that. But the way that that you said that, it just it really hits home. And it's so true because I recently just sold a property. And you know, when we're going through everything, getting ready for closing, and we're looking at, you know, what that potential taxes do. And it's so overwhelming. And it's like, why, why are you getting so much money? I'm the one that's been holding this property. I'm the one that put in a new septic. I'm the one that did all of this. And Uncle Sam is walking away uh, with a little bit better profit than I am. And so I would love to learn a little bit more about how you alleviate this burden. And not only alleviate it, but
2: leverage it. That's the key word. The leverage word. Because with the 1031 exchange, all you are doing is indefinitely deferring the tax that you normally would have paid on the, on the profit from the sale. It's a relatively simple process. For the client, it really involves nothing different than selling your property, your investment property, and by using a certain process with a qualified intermediary, that's the kind of thing that nerds like I do, you buy new investment property. And part of that purchase though includes the deferred tax. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Well, okay, that doesn't sound like that's really all that powerful. You know, I made a hundred thousand dollars, that's only twenty thousand dollars. How's that gonna change my life? Well, it's that old observation where the guy walked up to the young whippersnapper and said, I'll give you a dollar a day for 30 days. Right or I'll give you a penny today and I'll double it every day for 30 days. And the foolish young lad is the one that chose the dollar because it looked like more. Well, what does that illustrate? The power of that deferred tax over time is what, and nobody gets this right. It's what Albert Einstein called the eighth wonder of the world. Everybody thinks that's a Warren Buffett quote. It was Albert Einstein that said that, um, the leverage compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He finished the quote by saying, those that understand it will benefit from it. Those that don't will pay it. Mm. And either way you're at in your life, whether you've got a lot of debt that you allow to compound for a living situation or to invest in real estate, you're compounding your debt. But, Every bit of deferred tax that you get to use going forward, that's compounding your return. And we love to throw out an example in our CE classes for realtors where two clients will take the exact same properties and through only five transactions over 20 years, they will buy exactly what they can buy, have all the same appreciation and everything the only difference is one does the 1031 so they can use the deferred tax. One doesn't. And at the end of their 20-year career, the investor that did the 1031s owes $500,000 in tax. <gasps> oh, but they control $12 million in real estate as opposed to the other investor who owes nothing in tax, but only controls million in real estate. Wow. That's the difference that the 1031 allows. And you don't think about it because how does Compounder just work? It works day after day after day. So the 1031 is really the long game to lasting wealth, but you have to be disciplined to take advantage to keep those tax dollars working for you instead of sending it to the government.
1: I want to talk about the long game and the discipline that's required in a second. I really want to emphasize this example that you gave us because on the surface, half a million dollars in tax, zero dollars in tax. You know, just right there, I want to pay zero dollars in tax, Dave. Well, do I want to be holding to $12 million in assets or $4 million in assets? And I will pay that half a million dollars in tax for three times the value.
2: Yeah. And what was really interesting, take that the next step, right? How much cash flow would you need from a $12 million portfolio to pay off your taxes? Oh, around three or four months. Right. So you just yeah. say, okay, you know what? I think I'll pay my taxes. So I'm just going to save four months of my income, pay the taxes off. Yep. It doesn't have to hang over your head forever. But here is the end of the story that's even better. Because remember, the 1031 is simply deferring those taxes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They're still out there. Like that one investor, he's, I don't know, what do you think? Is he losing a lot of sleep at night? Because he owns 12 million in real estate, knows 500,000. In right. taxes, he's probably still sleeping pretty good.
1: He's sleeping fine.
2: But there is a mantra in our industry that is called the four Ds. And those four Ds are defer, defer, defer,
1: <laughs>
2: and die. Yep, Because in the 1031 world, and this speaks to the discipline, as long as you never sell your replacement property, you never pay the tax. So if you put $20,000 of tax into that, that 20,000 is gonna work for you for the next 20 or 30 years. Let's compound the interest on $20,000 over 20 years in your pocket. As long as any time you sell that property, you do another 1031 exchange. There's no limit on how many you do. You'll never pay the tax. And then the off ramps at the end of your career, the last D die. Because right now when you die, you get your heirs get what is called a step up in basis, which means that tax that you owe disappears for them when they inherit your property. So all you've got to do is defer that tax, use it to your benefit. And then when you pass away, your kids get it tax free.
1: What so it truly is one of the, the mantras that I've heard before those that die with the most debt
2: wins. <laughs> well, yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's a great way of saying it. It's hard to get around, isn't it? Going the <laughs> most debt. or the guy he, he who dies with the most toys, or that's whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, right, be very careful. I want to make sure I caution Please. everybody out there be very, very careful. With the four D's, because if you tell your children about them too early, you may want to change the locks on your bedroom door. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah, I could totally appreciate that. Uh, because it's so interesting. I, so I want to talk about the, the discipline in this, though, because you talk about it being a long game and we talk about that off ramp. So there obviously has to be a line to to rolling this over, and, and maybe it's death. But when an investor gets to, you know let's say the, the end of the road for that property, not the end of the road, uh, but when we get to the end of the road, and let's say we're looking to cash out, is there an advantage to cashing out and paying the taxes then? Or is there an advantage to uh, the example that you were giving? Let's just say after 15 years, we're looking at this, this deferred tax, and is there any sort of advantage to paying that you know before that property is sold? Let's say you're going to sell it, and you're not going to you know go into an exchange. Uh, you're going to cash out and reconcile. Is, what are some of the the benefits of of this tool, and how do you mitigate that at the exit?
2: Great question. You know the the uh, die hard, live free or die. Hate tax guy here. Let's say, of course, there's no reason to ever do that. (laughs) But there can always be reasons in your life. You know, you have to measure those out. But I think for me, the basic principle is that every day that those tax dollars are in my pocket is one extra day I make the money. So I want to delay it as long as I can until finally there is that compelling reason that says it's it's time to sell and pay the tax. Right. But leading up to that though, um, I like to talk about Mm off-ramps. And there's a dozen different off-ramps that don't cost you the tax dollars. Now, for instance, we talked about the four Ds. Well, that last D of death is an Mm off-ramp. But during the rest of your life, you use that money for your benefits, for your benefit. Now. Someone may come using today's market as a microcosm. What's happened in California? You know, the properties have appreciated like crazy, yeah. but nobody's making any money renting them. And you've got a California property that you need cash flow from. So, what can you do? Well, the 1031 exchange is perfect to sell that California property and go and buy a property in some other market around the country where cash flow is better. Maybe you get a better cash flow in Indianapolis or St. Petersburg, Florida, or up there where you're at in Maine. So you can change with the 1031, you can change the location of your real estate. We have, we work with a lot of servicemen and women and they're fun because they'll use their VA loan to buy a primary residence where they're stationed. Now the 1031 is only for investment property, but when they move, They will go to another station and they turn that into a rental. And we just did, we just did one a year ago, several exchanges all at once for a guy named Johnny Q. He's awesome dude. And he finally mustered out, retired. And he had like five different rentals spread out all over the Western hemisphere. We sold them 1031 them all into his backyard in Virginia. Amazing. So he consolidated his portfolio so that now as he goes into retirement, it's going to be much easier for him to manage. Sure. So you can change location. You can change the confirmation of your... You can change types of real estate. The 1031 lets you go from any type of investment real estate to any other type of investment real estate. So you could sell residential by commercial. You could also sell where maybe things are peaking And go buy in an emerging market. Right. And all those types of things kind of go into play. And that's actually the discipline that I do is to go through the process of saying, what are my alternative uses and sources? Here's the decision that I'm facing. I need some cash for whatever reason. Or I need to sell this property for whatever reason. What are my alternative uses and sources? How would I use this money? Where would I use this money? If I need the cash, what other sources would I have to get it? And this leads into one of our other in-game sort of investments that speaks to the sign in the over your right or left shoulder. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> I can never figure out with cameras. But right at some point in time, we grow tired. There it is. Uh, we grow tired of me. Is that right or left for you? It's right, uh, isn't it? Yeah, my right. Yeah. I've <laughs> got a son that learned to drive doing this. Which one's left? Which <laughs> unfortunately, the steering wheel became optional at that point.
1: The yeah. other right.
2: Exactly. He had done great in England. Uh, I digress. What were we talking about? Syndication. <laughs> yeah. At some point in time, as investors, we want to slow down. Right. We want to either we're either tired and don't have the energy. We want to consolidate, start to do some of those things that we want to get time to do. So syndications and passive investments can be can factor huge. But here's the problem with the 1031 exchange is that it is limited because it is only real estate for real estate. And most of the more attractive syndications out there right now Tend to be limited partnerships where what you are buying is not real estate. You're buying a membership interest in the partnership. And unfortunately, that doesn't qualify for 1031 treatment. Sure. So, okay, so here's Dave and Ryan, we're sitting there going, all right, it's time to reshape this thing. You know, we got to get rid of this, this highly appreciated property, right? So what are we going to do? Well, what what are alternative uses? We still like real estate. We still like generating income off of real estate, okay? We'd really like to turn it into something passive. We'd like to go into syndication, but that won't work selling this property. So what are my sources now? Well, I gotta get rid of that California property anyways, because Arizona is a much better investing climate. So I think what I'll do, let's sell the California property, Let's do a 1031 exchange into Arizona. Now, what did we accomplish with that? We defer tax on the profit. We're getting better on net operating income because it's a better investment climate. And now let's do a cash out refinance. And with that cash out refinance, yes, that's going to hurt the performance on my Arizona property a little bit. But I'm going to just take it down to where it's still positive. Sure. So no fuss, no fuss. It does its thing. And I'm going to take that cash. And now that cash is tax-free. Now I'm going to use that to go invest in a syndication. Mm -hmm. So I position my real estate where it's going to be out of harm's way, just kind of magically doing its thing. But I'm going to get the cash out of it. To go invest in a syndication where I could get a better return and a passive return. Right. So look at all the things I just accomplished in that one move.
1: Right. It's incredible. So what does a successful syndication deal look like to you, Dave? Because this is incredibly powerful for those of us that are you know looking and for me, right? This was something I needed to use on on a property that was my primary residence, was no longer my primary residence. My first home was a duplex, and the pandemic raised the value to the point that it's like, why am I doing this one house? when two houses, you know, would be much more lucrative and, you know, going, going through that. And it does, it takes so much discipline. When I tell everybody, you know, if you think that, you know, necessarily like that phase is, is super passive. It's not, you know, it's, it's part of my entrepreneurial venture, you're putting in the septic, you know, fixing the roof. Like it was I don't want to say it's fun, but like it's it's fun when that's not like your get up every morning at seven o'clock and go do it. Um, but it's fun to get our, our hands dirty. And so I would love for you to just kind of break down because our audience uh, is made up of people that are successful in real estate, be it a developer or a real estate agent or a mortgage broker, to those individuals that are just evaluating real estate for the first time, maybe evaluating syndication for the first time. So I'd love in your words, Dave, like what a successful syndication deal looks like.
2: Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, always, I like to take this back to the word itself and its actual origins. Syndication really at its base level simply means more than one person getting together to buy something together they form a syndicate mm. could be a syndicate of two or a syndicate of a thousand where we commonly use this name in the, uh, in the you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago where it first came into popularity was in racehorses, racehorsing syndications. And then it became sports franchise syndications yeah. and in real estate. Now it's what everybody wants to do a multifamily syndication. Right. But all it means is that we're gathering together a group of people that are going to buy this asset and do something with it. And so that's the syndication. So what does a good syndication look like? First of all, it's one where you know, trust, and like the model of the other partners. Mm. Whether you're simply a passive member and having, depend complete, having to depend completely on the general partner. Or whether it's just two of you that sat down with a cocktail napkin and said, let's go buy a property. That's right. a syndication. Do you know? Do you trust? Can you make decisions? And if you don't get to make decisions, do you trust the decisions? And the only way you, you get to know stuff like that is through what? Experience? Right. And not just your experience, but the experience of others. So good syndicators are going to have made the turn a few times. And at the risk of someone like you who's 21 and just graduated, you know, you're probably not quite
1: 21, but that's No, okay. at the time, at I'm 30 now, almost 31.
2: <laughs> Everybody and their mother <laughs> who didn't have a clue about real estate has made money in real estate since 2010. Yeah, It's just the fact of the market that you could have tripped over yourself and where your nose hit the ground, you buy it, you made money. So you do want to really pay attention to the fundamentals of the syndications that you're looking at moving into and their longevity. Not just how many times have they turned over full cycles, but have they done that before 2010? honestly the person that i would pay gold to is the person that bought a property in 2005 and is still around doing business today because they know how to go through an up market through a down market and back through another up market so it's that it's that knowledge it's that experience you know return who can speak to returns every bit of every point in the market is different in terms of returns but it's it's kind of a Goldilocks thing as well, though, right? There might be the return that's the promise that's huge. And that's too much because it's never going to be true. And then there might be the return that's offered that's so stingy and small that it's too small because the syndicator's keeping too much. And then there's that one that's just right. And that's the one that you that you look on. So personality experience, longevity, re, real uh, reality or realistic forecasting of potential return. And you want a syndicator that's going to understand tax consequences because you do get the flow through of all of the tax consequences and benefits of what the syndication is doing. So right now there's a lot of syndications that are doing a thing called cost segregation which is they're pulling up things to give you additional tax write-offs when you invest. Well, that's cool. I love that. That's awesome. Cause that's giving you the tax benefits now, but you want to make sure that they're not giving you that instead of profit. Right. You know, our, our projects the greatest thing in the world because we're giving you additional depreciation. Well, but when you sell, I have to pay back that depreciation if I don't, if you don't do a 1031. So don't just give me that and nothing else. I want profit too. And that leads me to the last thing. And we're just now starting to see them. Uh, I'm talking to a client next week who is selling a large syndication. And they're going to 1031. Let's think about the power of that. So I move into syndications. I know it's not real estate because, but I'm willing to do it because of the return. But how powerful would that be then if that syndication itself did a 1031 exchange to buy the next syndication? I, as a member of that LP, I have to go right along with it, which means on the sale, I don't pay tax and I'm right back in the next value add project with them. Right. That is going to be that the syndicators can start to pull this off more frequently. That's going to be the game changer in the syndication market. Because mm. you're going to generate bonus depreciation for clients. You're going to generate healthy profit on the exits. And you're going to be able to let the client go forward into the next project without paying any tax on the profits. That's going to be monster. That's beautiful.
1: It's amazing. And one of the things that you said is Talking about your experience, you know, the success in syndication is going to have a lot to do with our personal experience, but also the experience of those around us. And that's something that uh, Annie and Julie, our founders at Good Egg, really, really uh, emphasize is that, you know, half of the the value is in the team and, and in the network there. And, you know, it's special because, you know, a show like this, where we're helping other people find, you know, potential mentors and people that they can connect with. And you know, before we wrap up, that's obviously, you know, something that I really want to uh, showcase for everybody is is how you know this has been such a, a wealth of knowledge in in twenty minutes or so. But how do we stay connected to you, Dave? And for those of us that are potentially interested, you know, are there any other resources that you provide that could help us learn some of these? Uh, I, I don't. I want to call them keys to knowledge.
2: Yeah, they're The well, book keys is a good is a good analogy. They're just little tiny bits. What happens when you turn the key, you open a door, you go into a much larger room. And everybody who thinks, oh, 1030 Exchange is just gonna be selling and buying property, not paying tax, is shortchanging the strategic use of this. Whether it's doing the refinance to go into a syndication, whether it's helping to vet where you're gonna put your next property, whether it's using tax dollars as down payments, or a couple of things we didn't even talk about how to use the ten thirty one to buy what's going to become your next retirement home, or how to buy use the ten thirty one to buy the condo that you want to use to ski out of. All those kinds of things are applications that take turning a few keys to open up the bigger room of strategy, and so that's really where I've lived. Is I, I just I don't want to just be a, a button pusher. Then we sell and we buy. I wanna have a focus and I like to help clients define and flesh out that long-term focus and direction and strategy for them to go. So to do that, what we've done over the last 20 years, we started out with an emphasis on education. When the market crashed in 2008, two thirds of the realtors in America went out of business. We lost a bunch of 1031 knowledge right then, didn't we? At that point in time, the largest buying demographic, and yeah, you resemble his remark, the largest buying demographic at that time was moving into middle school. Mm -hmm. They knew nothing about 1031 exchanges. So we've had to rebuild this entire knowledge base about the power and the possibility. So second time around, We developed an education vehicle called the 1031 Investor. And you can go there at the1031investor.com. And there are calculators. There are articles. There's 30 or 40 YouTube videos guaranteed to cure insomnia. And they deal with every aspect that's going to help you get to wherever you want to get to, whether it's into retirement tax-free, whether it's into syndications and passive, or whether it's into higher cash flow, or whether it's into a good nursing home that your children pick instead of a bad one that they pick, <laughs> all using the 1031 exchange.
1: That's amazing. And so, for the audience at home, that website again is the1031investor.com. And of course, Dave, we'll put links to that in our, in our show notes. So that way, everybody, our esteemed uh, audience at home will be able to check that out and to connect with you further. But Dave, I want to thank you so much for joining me and Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. This was incredibly eye-opening and so much more information to dive into.
2: Appreciate it. it was great being here. And I just want you to know the rest of the day, while you're shoveling snow, I'm going to go brush sand off my patio. <laughs>
1: Wow. You know what? Thank you for that, Dave. Uh, we, we absolutely are shoveling up here in Maine, uh, but I'm glad that you are warm and safe. And of course, we are so grateful to all of you tuning in right now, be it on your smartphone, your tablet, or listening to us on your way to work. We're so grateful that you're joining our little community here and be sure to check us out and to join us on our next episode of Real Estate Syndication Spotlight with our friends at Good Egg Investments.
0: Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com. And please also join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about you. And if you got something out of this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe to this show and give us a rating and review. We promise to read your feedback and take action to continue to make this show even better and more valuable for the real estate syndication community. My name is Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamp. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight community.